Hallelujah. We're going to pick up in the book of Hebrews, and today we're going to talk about it's time to claim your promises. We're going to look at Hebrews 4. We've been looking at chapters, uh, the book of Hebrews, and we uh, left off it two weeks ago in chapter 3, and we were talking about when we left off the danger of unbelief. And we were talking about how the writer called unbelief an evil heart. Evil heart, he said, and God was leading the writer to uh, to 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 see that a people to write to a people who were leaving Christianity to go back to Judaism, and he was stopping them from going back to something that would not deliver the goods. That's what he was trying to do. Hey, why are you leaving to something that's not going to deliver the goods? The old law is not going to save you. Christ is going to save you. Why are you trying to go back to something that's not going to deliver? What, what, what it promises to deliver. Uh, he's saying, don't leave this, this thing. And so he says, how do I do that? And he writes an epistle. And he writes a book that's going to show us the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's going to begin to speak to us on why Christ is supreme and why Christ is everything. And so he's speaking. And in this, we saw in the first three chapters, he takes us through the Old Testament scriptures, especially a couple of weeks ago. He took us to Psalms 95. And he speaks. Speaking to, uh, he's speaking back about how he was speaking, Mark, to them in the wilderness. He was speaking to the children in the wilderness. And he says at the end of chapter 3 that, that, that uh, he was talking to them and he said some of them didn't enter in because of unbelief. He, he, he was talking about scriptures way back then. He's talking about these promises way back in, then that they had. And he was talking about how the Holy Spirit was speaking to them just like he's speaking to them now and he's speaking to us now. And he's trying to say, to them that I was speaking to them. The Holy Spirit was speaking to these people back then. And last week we saw where it shifted and the Holy Spirit, or two weeks ago, and the Holy Spirit began to speak directly to them. Today, today, right now, he began to start talking to them, found in Psalms 95. And the Bible says that he was calling them into this right here that we're talking about, but they would not enter in, the Bible said there in Hebrews 3.19. So we see that they could not enter in because of their unbelief. In other words, unbelief was an evil heart in them because they did harden their heart. And I want to move into that same flow as God talked to them back then with His Word and with the Holy Spirit trying to get them to enter in. But what kept them out was this unbelief. And I want to continue that because that's the writer picking up in verse 4 is exactly what the... Or chapter 4 verse 1 is exactly what the writer writes. And it says this, let us, he's continuing that theme of, hey, I tried to give it to them and they wouldn't enter in because of their evil heart of unbelief. And then he says this to us, so let us, let us, come on you, let us therefore fear. In other words, be terrified. Be terrible. The, the word is uh, phobos from where we get the word phobia. Phobia. You all know the word phobia. We all have a lot of phobias and fears today. COVID-19 probably is a phobia for a lot of people. Let us therefore fear. He's going to give you something to have a phobia about. Be terrified. Be terrified lest a promise being left to us of entering into his rest that any of you should come short of it. There is a rest for the people of God. Dustin, be terrified that you be kept out of it. I mean, be fearful. 
I mean like Halloween fearful. Like, like you better be fearful that you be left out of the promise like they were left out of the promise of entering into rest. In other words, there's something you're going to miss if you're not careful. There is something here that you need to be terrified and it's what you're going to miss is what was accomplished on the cross of Jesus Christ. You ought to be terrified if you leave that. You ought to be terrified if you miss that because that's what the writer is writing here. It was all Offered to them back then, and they would re- they rejected it because of the unbelief in their heart. They departed from the living God because of that unbelief and because of the deceitfulness of sin that they let harden them and come into their life little by little. When the Holy Spirit was trying to say, "Today I'm knocking on your door. Today I'm drawing you. Today I'm pulling you in to this accomplishment of Jesus Christ on the cross." Be terrified that unbelief can slip into your heart today. While it's called today, you need to be terrified of this and cause you to leave the living God. Don't let these things expire is what he's saying. How many, I know these two right here. One thing I know about them, if they go to the cupboard and there's something expired, they won't eat it. I could get rich off of eating their expired food probably. But that's a good thing, you know. But that's what the writer is saying here. It's like going to the cupboard. And, you know, uh, I heard a pastor that I like. He said he went to the cupboard. They were moving. And he went to the cupboard and he about freaked out because he found all this food in the back of the cupboard. Like that was good food that he wanted to eat. And his wife stopped him because it was expired. And he was all upset because the food was expired. That's what the writer is writing here. He's saying there's all kind of things in the cupboard of God. There's all kind of things in the cupboard of Christ. Don't let them expire. Don't let them expire, he's saying. Don't let them expire. This is a pivotal chapter about the writer that you got to get because this chapter is going to help you as you move on in the book of Hebrews. He's telling us something so pivotal right here that the gospel was preached. Look at verse 2. He says, the gospel was preached to us as well as it was to them. Okay, He says the gospel was preached going all the way back to Adam and all the way back to Eve and all the way back through the Old Testament. Look at this next diagram. He gives us something here. He tells us something. He's saying all the way back then, not just to us right now. We think that the New Testament, when it comes into play, that that's the first time the gospel was preached. He's saying, "Uh uh-uh, way back in the wilderness they had hardness of heart. Way back in the wilderness they had grace. Way back in the wilderness they could have entered in. But they didn't enter in. They chose not to because of sin, because of the deceitfulness of their heart, because they didn't let the Holy Spirit deal with what was in their heart. And they let these things go. And because of that, they let unbelief set in. And that's exactly what happened way back in the garden, the Bible tells us, because Adam is placed there. Adam is innocent. Adam has a choice. The Bible says there are two trees back in that garden. And there is a choice there that Adam has. He has a choice of a relationship and unification with God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are united with God. We have His presence. We have His power. We have His protection. We have His anointing. And that's exactly the choice that these two trees represented there. Adam, you have a choice. Adam, you can enter into a relationship and unification with God, but you have a choice. In six days, the Bible says that He created everything. And But the Bible says something interesting when you read 
read it. Read the Bible, man. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Study. Have you ever noticed in those six days, Raymond, you know what it says? It says after the six days, day and night, evening and morning. But when God created day seven, it says nothing about day and night, evening and morning. You know why? One was temporal and one was eternal. And what he was saying is, I've established my rest. And I want you to enter in, Adam. I've established my rest, my Sabbath. Choose life. I've established the temporal in creation. And I've established, I sat down from all of my work and I have entered into my rest that is eternal. Now Adam, here are two choices. Here's the trees in the garden. Now choose my rest. There's a rest that remaineth for the people of God and they enter into it by faith. But guess what? Adam let unbelief settle into his heart and it kept him out of the rest of God. Adam could have entered into eternal rest right there. Eden is a type of the gospel. The gospel was being preached even back then. Do you see it? Do you see the choice? Do you see the the promise? Do you see the eternal right there? The temporal versus the eternal that's being preached right there. Do you see that Adam could have entered into the seventh day? He could have entered into the rest. When, When God rested on the seventh day, He said, it's done. I've completed everything. And He rested. And and it's not prefixed with morning and evening. It became eternal. And this is what it's going to be like for all of eternity. That's what God is inviting us into. And that's what Adam could have entered into. He could have gone to the tree of life. He could have gone into that eternal life and into that rest. But there was a second tree there that was placed into that garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's where unbelief entered. Rest was available. Just like rest, this amazing rest. Look in Hebrews nine times in this chapter. He talks about rest. Nine times. Nine times. You think he's trying to get your attention? You think he's trying to tell you there's something available for you? Called the rest of God? Creation was a rest. He rested from creation. And he entered into the rest, the eternal rest. But unbelief kept Adam uh, from eternal life. And the problem was unbelief. And he's saying to you and to me, the Holy Spirit said, Today, right now, I'm telling you, Brookside Church of God, today, not tomorrow, he's saying this. He's saying, watch out, lest your heart be hardened by unbelief and you be kept out of this. So the, and the gospel was preached in Eden. Verse 5, it says this. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. If they shall enter into my rest, the Bible says there. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. My rest is the rest of creation. He rested from creation. He rested, the Bible says, on the seventh day. He, that's what he did. He created this pristine place. And, 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 and right there was preached where God met man. And he walked with man in the cool of the day. That's what he 
really desires with us. A place where we come into the presence of God and we know Him not just yesterday, but we know Him today. I, people always come back up and talk about, uh, you know, do you know Christ? The answer is, do you know Him today? Are you walking with Him today? I could care less that you prayed a prayer 50 years ago. Are you still walking with Christ today? Or do you have a relationship with Him today? Do you read His Word today? Do you talk to Him today? Do you pray to Him today? Eden was a type of the gospel where the presence and the power and the provision of God were and they woke up every day and they had a relationship and unification with this God every single day and God continued to preach the gospel because he spoke of another day. Look at verse 7. He says again, he limited it to a certain day. He limited it to a certain day. So not only did he preach the gospel in the, the, the Eden, but he also limited it to a certain day. We're in the Sabbath day. He gave us a day of the week to show us, not for some kind of legalistic thing where we fight and argue. No, he's trying to show us the gospel in the Sabbath day. He's saying you work for six days, but on the seventh is it is a type of my gospel that you enter into by faith. I want you to cease from your works and I want you to enter in to my work and into my rest. I want you to enter in to the rest of God. So I'm giving you a day of rest because I'm preaching the gospel to you all through the word of God. Eden and the garden was a gospel. Creation was a type of the gospel that you had a picture and you had a picture of rest. Now I'm giving you another certain day. On the seventh day, I'm giving you a type and I'm showing you again the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ, there remaineth a rest for the people of God and you're kept out by unbelief or you're brought into it by faith. But be terrified that you won't get in. It was a command but never meant to be a legal issue. It was a command, but it was never meant to be a legal issue. He gave the Sabbath so we could understand there's a time of rest from our labors. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a type of gospel preached in the Old Testament. Then look at verse 8. So he preached the gospel in the Garden of Eden. He preached the gospel through the Sabbath day. Then look at verse 8. For if Joshua, some verses say Jesus, that's a poor translation. It should say Joshua. For if Joshua, the names mean the same if you didn't know that in the Greek. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? He brought them into the promised land. That's a type of rest, folks. That's a type of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, look back there. They had the gospel preached in Eden. They had the gospel preached uh, on, with the Sabbath day that I gave them. They had the gospel preached by taking them and entering them into a land where they would plant. They didn't have to plant vineyards. They're already planted for them. They didn't have to build houses. They're already built there for them. They don't have to fight their enemies because I'll fight their enemies and their battles for them. And so I'm taking them into a land. And so the gospel is preached all the way along through the journey of the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi, all the way from Matthew, all the way through to the book of Revelation. He would give them a land. He, God was saying, come into my rest, please people. That's what he's begging you right now. Please, if you're locked outside of this rest, please, nine times he's saying in chapter four, there is a rest. There's a rest. There's there's a rest. Are you tired, human race? Are you
you tired of doing it on your own? Are you tired of working? Are you tired of trying to work for your salvation? Are you tired of trying to keep all the laws and commandments and failing and trying again and failing? Well, there's a rest for the people of God. And I'm going to tell you how to enter into it. And I've been preaching it for years and years and years and years all the way back to the garden. But be f- but have a phobia that you let unbelief keep you out of this place. And all that, the promise in Eden, the promise of a Sabbath day rest, of there being six days and then a rest. And all the promised land, taking them out and moving them into the promised land, was all moving towards this one place called Jesus Christ. This one place, this one perfect eternal rest. And he says, be terrified. Be panicked because he said the gospel was preached all the way down for these folks. It was preached back then, but they did not receive it. And he said, because he said, it's something you got to take hold of. It's something you got to grasp hold of and you grasp hold of it by faith. In other words, Christianity is walking with God, as I said, on a daily basis. If I've given you an understanding that you come down here, shake a preacher's hand and get your name put on the roll of a church, that is erroneous and that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you repent of your sins, you believe the gospel, and you come into a living relationship with the God of the universe, and you begin to walk with Him every single day of your life. You begin to love His words. You begin to love His promises. You begin to talk to Him. You begin to gather with people. Like Him. You begin to go to church and have people in your home. You begin to fellowship. And, and, and that's all part of Christianity. That's all part of being a Christian. That's all part of being in a place called Christ. Moving out of a place without Christ. And moving into a place with Christ. It doesn't make sense to come down, pray a prayer, go home and keep doing the same things that I do. And never talk to this God. Never learn about this God. Never read about this God. Never be intimate with this God. And yet we've got an entire American so-called Christianity that thinks that way. Now the word rest means the calming of the winds. If you study the etymology of it, of the word, it means a calming of the winds. Isn't that good? It means that when storms come and storms are going to come, That there remains a rest. That there is a calming of the winds. There is a place where there's a calming of the wind. These storms that come, some of them are because of our own making. Some of them, Shanae, are because we sin and it brings storms into our lives, right? We make poor choices when we do stupid things. When we go contrary to God's Word, we pay a price sometimes. And it brings trouble into our lives. But sometimes we're doing everything right. We're doing nothing wrong. And it's just natural that storms come and that winds come. Like the disciples, when 
when Jesus sent them into the boat to go across the sea. And all of a sudden, a a wind comes just out of nowhere and comes upon the scene. So storms can come by sin and storms can come naturally. But here's the thing. Jesus is saying that when these storms come, I can come into your storm. And that's what chapter 4 of Hebrews is all about and why you must capture this because God is saying, I'm establishing something here. I'm establishing a new covenant. I'm going to take the old one. I'm going to fold it up. You remember the day I brought it up here and how we went through all the covenants and we folded them up like a blanket and we rolled them up and rolled them away. And that's what he's saying. There's something you need to see here. I'm folding up the old and I'm bringing in the new. Now Jesus is coming up on the scene. Now Jesus is showing up in the storm. Now Jesus is establishing a new testament and it is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ alone my hope is found. Amen? And that's what the writer is telling these people who are just a few years away from the Roman army coming in and just decimating Jerusalem and just decimating the people there. And he's writing to them and says, why do you want to walk away from all of this? God is establishing something. Nine times he's telling you, come into his rest. And when Titus comes, and when Rome comes, and when Washington comes, and when China comes, and when the UN comes, and when the CDC comes, and when all of these people come bearing down on you, there is something to stop the wind. There is a rest for the people of God. It's Jesus. Amen. They're headed into a storm. And he's saying the gospel is what will come in and offer you strength. My gospel, my gospel will come in and give you rest. And the Spirit says in these chapters, today, today He will do this. Today, not tomorrow. Don't put it off tomorrow. Be terrified if you've got that type of mentality or that type of attitude. He's saying today, if you will come, because the storm may come today. The storm may come before we get out that back door. The storm may come when you turn on your your radio and you hear something else has happened in the world. The storms are coming and we will need to know the gospel and we will need to know these scriptures in order to have the wind see. So I want to give you six words in closing that we can learn here about this and these scriptures that we're going to need here. And it's found in verse 9, the first one. And it says this. The first word is remains. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Oh, oh. It's not fleeting now. It's not here today and gone tomorrow. It's not based on my obedience or my disobedience. There remains, Brad Lindsay, there remains, Mark Turner, a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest. That's something you need to understand today. That Jesus says there's rest here available. And this rest is a rest that is remaining. In other words, when you have struggles, when you have problems, when you last week didn't answer the altar call and you thought you should, there remains remains. It's still here today. Today, come to the rest. You missed it last week. Come today. It's still here. It still remains. Woo! When you're in the storm, it's still here. There's still a quieting. There's still a quieting. 
If I should or shouldn't have done something, it's still here. It remains. And then it's a legal thing. It's a legal thing. And listen, because if you remember, how many remember when little David went into the battle? You may not remember in, in, a, in Samuel. The Bible tells us if you want to read it, 1 Samuel 17, around the 18th verse and around in those chapters there. It was something amazing that you'll see about this remaining rest that our Jesus was bringing to us. Because here's what David's daddy said. You remember the story? You remember how he said we only remember the end. But do you remember how it began? What did, what did Jesse say? David, I want you to go to the battlefield. And I want you to take some cheese and some food to your brothers. And I want you to get me assurance of their safety. He was wanting an assurity. Bring me back a pledge. Bring me back something legal ensuring their safety. How in the world does this little boy go down to the battlefield? field and bring back something legal that can assure the safety of these brothers. But that's exactly what David does. David gets down to the battlefield. David sees all of them hiding behind rocks. David sees this giant. David brings them the food. If he goes on to Jesse and says, I can't bring you any assurance that your boys are going to be okay. I can't tell you the people of God are going to be okay. There's a murderous giant coming down for 40 days and 40 nights down on the people that's going to slay them and just massacre them. There's not a person down there, daddy, not a one that will fight for them. And see, here's what we always do. We always put ourselves as the hero of the story. That's where you mess up. You're not David. Jesus is David. And what does the father do? Here's what David does. David says, I can't go back to my daddy and not bring him some sort of assurance of the battle. So I'll enter into the battle and I'll go into the battle and I'll defeat this Goliath. And when I go back through the city with his head on a, on a, hold up in the air and when I put it on the wall and when I go back there my daddy will have assurance that the, the children of God are okay and God the father said son here's what I need you to do I need to know that they're okay I need to know that Adam's race can be born again I need to know that Adam's race is not going to be gobbled up by Satan and by the adversary and by this Goliath that's coming down every single day I need a pledge I need a legal action and the son says alright daddy I tell you what I'll do. I'll go down and I'll defeat this Goliath. I'll be nailed to a cross. I'll pay the sin debt in full. I'll remove the stench of sin. I'll remove Satan off of them. And Father, I've finished the work. I've done everything. Your children are legally okay. They're legally okay. Here's the pledge. Here's the pledge, Dad. Here's the pledge, Dad. They're in the world. But keep them. Because I've already kicked the enemy's rear end. And there's a rest. There's a rest for the people of God. There is a rest. There's a rest now. And it remains. It's legal. It's legal. It remains. So you messed up yesterday. Get back up and get into Christ today. Today. If you hear His voice, harden not your heart in unbelief as they did back in the provocation in the wilderness. Jesus, I messed up. Jesus, you're my advocate. The rest is still here for me. And I enter back in. God, I'm not going to let unbelief come in to my life. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter in. So there's a guarantee. There's a guarantee now. The Father has sent the Son. He's got the pledge. And it guarantees our safety. And it guarantees our inheritance in the kingdom of God. So, so, so we, we, uh, we have that now. There remains a rest 
It's not removed. It's accessed by faith. It's a promise. It's a legal term. It's non-negotiable. And then what's the next thing that he says in verse 10? For he that is entered, that's the next word, into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works. That's what you need to do. Thinking your salvation's of you or me. Ceased from him. That's what religion does. Puts you in a lifelong turmoil of trying to be something you're not and earn your salvation. Ceased from his own works as God did from his. How do you enter in? By faith. By believing the gospel. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Today, if you hear my voice, enter into this rest. And then look at, verse, look at number, the fourth one in verse 11. Four out of six. Then he says in verse six, so let us labor. This sounds like a contradiction. Quit working and now let us labor. Right? Doesn't the word of God sometimes feel like it contradicts itself? Don't work. And then this kicks Brad Lindsay back into chopping wood for the father. Now labor. Labor to enter into the rest. But that's not what he, it's not a contradictory of terms. What he's saying is do it now. What he is saying is act as soon as you hear it. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait on the altar call. Run now. What he's saying is act on it now. If you don't, then your heart begins to harden. So act now. It remains. It's a rest. It's entered to by believing. But labor, enter into it now. Don't wait today while the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Don't harden your heart. Enter into it now by faith. And then where is our labor? Our labor's in the Word of God. Because here's what he says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of his heart. What is he saying? The living Word is Jesus Himself. And when He comes into your life, He becomes the quickening power in your life. You are not meant to uh, just come to church, sit on a pew, listen to a sermon and go home. No, you are, you are meant to be challenged. You are meant to be engaged. You are meant to have the Word of God come and pierce your heart and say, this is wrong. This is not like me. I want to remove that. I want to get rid of that. I want to cut that out because that's what real Christianity is again. It's walking with God every single day and saying, this I like. This is like me. This I don't like. Let me get rid of that. And it says this quickening work of Jesus Christ goes on in your life. The Bible says that He's challenging everything in us that is unlike Him. That's why I love coming to this word, this pulpit with a challenging word because God wants to challenge us in the areas that we are unlike Him, not to scare us off, not to run us away, but to draw us near with hearts of faith. And listen, if, 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 if there's a place where I mess up, then look what he says in verse 16. There is a throne of grace where I find mercy. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne. What a book. What a book. What a book. Let us there come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So I mess up. I keep going. There's grace. There's grace. 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 God's grace. Grace that is pardoned and cleansed within grace. Grace. God's grace, grace 
that is greater than all my sin. Hallelujah. So I mess up. So he points out to me while he's living inside of me, Brad, you have really messed up right here. You don't look like me at all. Then, Father, I run to your throne. I run to your throne. I need mercy and I need grace to help me. And you know what? He lives inside of me, pulsates through my being. I don't look up there and say, God, help me. I look right inside of here and say, God, help me. God, help me. God help me. Hallelujah. He lives in you. And he doesn't, he, 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 and, and if he doesn't live in you, then today he says, come. And in Matthew, he says these words. If he doesn't live in you today, if you don't have access to that throne of grace, then he says, come unto me. All you that labor, all you that are striving, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Nine times, folks, the writer said, please, they missed the gospel. Are you going to miss TV world? Are you going to miss the gospel? Are you going to miss the gospel? Are you going to be locked out of the promise of rest? Look, I know you're tired of the wind. I know you're tired of the storms. I know you're tired of life being the way that it is. There's one who calms the storms. And he's saying, come unto me. And the world is duping you. And it's telling you that there's something other than Jesus. Or is painting you another Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the true Sabbath. Come unto me. All you that labor. All you that are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And if you'll come to me, you'll find rest for your soul. Now, Father, I know there's people. God, and the winds are not quiet in their life. God, I watch people. Their lives are in turmoil. Turmoil. Their homes, their families, everything. Because they're apart from your quickening word. They're apart from your life. Like Adam, they've chosen... The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they think, I, I know better for myself. And God, they begin to think and reason outside of your word and outside of your promise and outside of your life and outside of your gospel. And they live in those other six days just toiling and laboring and striving and winds are there all the time. And God, over and over you're calling them. And Lord, there's a shift that goes on in Hebrews 4. There's a shift that's taking place, God. All of a sudden, these people are wandering away. And Lord, all this, the writer begins to write and say, where, where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Back then, back, back then, they had a gospel preached. They had a rest promised. And they didn't enter in because of their unbelief. This evil heart in them of unbelief. And be terrified. Be terrified. Today, the Holy Spirit's calling to you. Today, the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about Sally on the other aisle of the store that your heart is hard toward and saying, today, get this right. Today, today, come back to me. Today, make things right in my life. And God, Lord, today, while the Holy Spirit, the writer saying, today, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, because the more you turn away from Him today, your heart begins hardened through the deceitfulness of sin and, and you find yourself apart from the living God. And so, God, if there's one in this place today, God, Lord, and they can still hear your voice, God, may they not harden their heart and may they come to the Savior of the world. 
the Redeemer, the lover of their soul. He says, come and I'll quiet. I'll quiet the wind. I'll quiet the wind. This rest is now established in me. I folded up the old and now it's established and it remains forever. You enter in and you enter in by faith. Labor, do it quickly. The labor is the Word of God. Do it quickly. Do it quickly. Do it now. And, 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 and Christ will come in you. This living, quickening Word will come inside of you and begin to change you. And even when you fail, there's a throne of grace. There's mercy. Oh, Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He wants you to enter into the rest of God. There remaineth the rest for the people of God, and they enter into it by faith. You are saved by grace through faith. The first words of Jesus, the first words of John, those words before Jesus comes on, on the scene, the words of Jesus, repent, change your thought life, change your mind, and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is here now. Oh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that He died. Believe that He was buried. Believe that He rose again. And you shall be saved. Hallelujah.